Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable and save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. That's 800-405-2561. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Uh, who's going to be our guest today? Yeah, we got a, a local guy who's sort of a local legend, and I think every community has these kind of people um, in their community. Al Endress was a, a longtime baseball coach. He took his team to so many uh, state championships. He played uh, pro football for a couple of years with the 49ers, played in the Dodgers minor league organization when they were in Brooklyn. He's just a local legend, but more importantly, one of those people that kids rally around, the community rallies around. You don't hear about him outside of the community, but every community that's listening to this show has several of these people around, and they're, they're so much a part of the fabric. So I think he's going to be a lot of fun. He's almost 90 years old, but he's sharp as a tack. That's awesome. Great guy. And if, if I'm not mistaken, because I went to, I, I, didn't, I wouldn't call it a rival school, but I went to a, a, a different school in right. the same county. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, the year that I was either a junior or senior, the uh, he, he was coaching a team that actually won, like, is considered the best in the country. Yeah, considered the best baseball team in the country in 1977. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's quite an accomplishment in high school, I mean, to be able to be considered that highly. Especially, um, I mean, how many high school teams are there? Well, and he, tur- he turned out some pretty. Yeah, he turned out some pretty good uh, players. One of them, uh, Buddy Biancalana, yeah. some of our listeners might remember, was a uh, a pretty good role player with Kansas City, who was a World Series hero in 1985. And Buddy, we've kept in touch with, and we'll get him on the show. I think we've had him. Yeah, on the we've show had him before. on the show. We talk about being in the zone. Yeah, he was in say. the zone, but he was one of Al's Al's favorites. All right. Well, and order in order in uh, in honor of Al, we're going to have more. Oh, we order. Baseball. We're ordering in Chinese ordering or Thai. In China, yeah. I'd like Thai, please. Oh, I'd love Thai. I'd like the red curry and a Thai iced coffee, please. Ah, uh, Pad yeah, Thai. Yeah, love yeah, that yeah. Pad Thai. There's uh, a great little place about two blocks. There from is. I'll take you to lunch. Oh, excellent. Thai. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, we're going to have <laughs> excellent. Okay, more uh, tough baseball questions. Oh, I like we'll, it. I like, we'll it. like that. And okay, yeah, let Al get a, a first crack at those though, because he's will. a baseball guy. All right, this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money. Providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 7.5% secured by real estate. Doesn't get any more conservative than that. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Want to relax and enjoy life in Sonoma County and set aside anxieties? Less than five minutes from an amazing coastal redwood forest, you'll find Sonoma Orchid Inn just across the street from the Russian River with easy access to swim or just lay on the beach. In fact, they'll even provide the beach towels. The Sonoma Orchid Inn is close to wonderful restaurants. Corbell Champagne Cellars is right next door. The Pacific Coast is only 15 miles away with great hikes, whale watching, fishing, and more. The Sonoma Orchid Inn is close to every activity to help you unwind and relax. Check out their website at SonomaOrchidInn.com or call them at 707-869-4466. That's the Sonoma Orchid Inn, 707-869-4466 or online at SonomaOrchidInn.com. Being a new parent means every high and low you can imagine. But Evos can make it all easier with a baby monitor you can trust. Go to myevos.com. That's M-Y-E-V-O-Z.com to see how Evos can be the eyes and ears of your nursery. Evos works with your smartphone to provide a live audio and HD video connection to your baby anytime and anywhere. On a date, at work, away on business, even serving your country overseas, Evos helps you never miss a moment. Whether your baby is with a sitter, your partner, a grandparent, or a friend, you'll be right there too. And with unique features like smart alerts that know the difference between a barking dog and your baby crying, extensive sleep tracking data, and state-of-the-art security features for your peace of mind, Evos is the smart baby monitor for connected parents. And enter the code SPORTS at checkout for $20 off. That's myevos.com. M-Y-E-V-O-Z dot com. The weather's getting warmer, and that means it's time to start working on your yard. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a Super Start lawn and garden battery starting at $24.99. Springtime means yard work, so stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for a Super Start lawn and garden battery you can count on. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Uh, Our first trivia question was, which team, we're talking baseball here, was the first expansion team to be in first place at some point in a season? And uh, our guest just joined us. uh, Al Endress just joined us. Yeah, um, I'm going to say... Uh, Kansas City Royals. Okay, and uh, Al, you're our, you're our guest on the show. Uh, you didn't hear the trivia question before we went to break, but we're going to ask it now again. Which baseball team was the first expansion team to be in first place at some point in a season? Oh, you know who it was? Who? I'll, I'll let, I, I'll let okay. Al answer, but I, I know who it is. It really? Yeah, okay, yeah, uh, Al, do you think you know the answer to that one? Uh, could it be the Expos? No. Nope. I'm going to say the Angels. Yes, yeah. the Los yeah. Angeles Angels, 1962. Yeah, the the, fir- the second year of existence. They were actually in 
Uh, first place at, I don't think at the All-Star break, but close to it. Close to it. Very yeah. good. They, all, they played at Old Wrigley Field in downtown L.A. It was, it was kind of like Wrigley a, Field? There's a Wrigley Field in L.A. Really? And it's kind of, okay. I bet you our guest, Al Endress is our guest. Uh, Al uh, was one of the coaches where I went to high school back in the day and was there for many, many years at Redwood High School, just north of San Francisco in Marin County. And Al is one of those unique uh, characters in that he played uh, not only played high school and college sports, but he played uh, a little pro baseball and a little pro football too. Al, tell us a little bit about that because I want to I want to ask you about high school coaching and all that it entails, but you so, had an interest. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so Al, you were sort of the Deion Sanders before Deion <laughs> Sanders, right? There you go. Let's, let's not go that far. <laughs> so, yeah, I did have the opportunity uh, uh, to play uh, both professional baseball and football. I played in the Dodger organization. Um, we won't hold that against you, but go ahead. No, no, no. I love them. That's, <laughs> I learned everything about baseball in the Dodger organization. Let me tell you that. Yeah, great organization. Whether you uh, like them or what, not, what, what years was that, were, were you playing? Oh, gosh. This was uh, – let, let me go back and think now. <laughs> 19 uh, – Probably 1949 was the first year I played. Wow, so you got to go to spring training and play with all those boys this summer during the spring, huh? So you get to meet Jackie Robinson and, and Duke Snyder and all those guys? Exactly, at Vero Beach. Uh-huh. Wow. What was that like for a for an 18, 19-year-old kid to rub shoulders with these legends? Well, first of all, the first thing was, it, it was the first time I ever left California. Mm. To, to, and that was an experience in itself, traveling by train from uh California to Florida and uh well you, you know when when you saw them there you you just you were taken back at first you know sure. all of all of them but then after you were there for a while it you know they they just became players uh obviously you I at Vero Beach there were there were different areas and uh, I was not too much with the major league that so, what, what position do you play? Well, when I was in high school, I was a catcher all through high school and college. Huh. Uh, when I joined the Dodger organization, uh, the one thing I could do that probably was my biggest claim to fame is for a guy six, almost six three, I could run, huh. and they made me an outfielder. And. Uh, too much. I, I'd rather be behind the plate. Although I did, uh, a couple of times during two or three different years, I did catch a little bit when a couple of catchers went down. But hmm. uh, yeah, I played in the outfield. I, but you know, I thought I was on a track team all the time. <laughs> what, what what position you play now? Because <laughs> every time they brought somebody new into camp, they would call me over to run against him. Oh, is that oh, right? Interesting. So yeah, you were the speed have, demon, have, huh? have the distinction of being the second fastest guy in the Dodger organization. The first guy was Sam Jethro. You remember? Oh, that? sure, Sam Jethro, one of the first African American players, I think. Right? right? Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, pretty close to Jackie Robinson, I believe. And well, that Campanella. was it. And you know, I played, and then um, uh, actually, what happened? Uh, the Korean War had broken out, and I was returned to college to, yeah, I had to get back into school or I was you know I was going to get drafted quickly and so once I went back to school I started to play football again and uh, 
I ended up in 1952 with the 49ers and uh, played the season of 52, signed again in 53, but I was talked into it by Frankie Albert, who was our quarterback at the time, and I went to Canada and played for the Stampeders instead of staying with the, the 49 Calgary Stampeders. Uh-huh. How long did you play up in Canada, Al? I, I didn't know this. I played a year with the Stampeders, and then when I came home, I was still going to go back, or uh, Lou Spadia called me again about coming back to the 49ers, but what happened was I always want, I wanted to get into coaching, and the gentleman that was a coach at the high school I went to, St. Elizabeth's, which was a Catholic school, and the head coach coached everything almost. Uh, he was leaving to take a job at a public school, and the they, the priest there got in touch with me and said, would you be interested? And I said, yes. So I never returned. I started coaching, and that was in 1954, I guess. Wow. See, so when you played with the 49ers, didn't Bob St. Clair play then, too? No, he was after me. Oh, uh, okay. who, who were some of the notables that you played with on the 49ers in the early 50s? You mentioned Frankie Albert. Uh, was Y.A. Tittle there yet or not? Frankie Albert and Y.A. Tittle, both of them were there. They mm-hmm. were our quarterbacks, and it was kind of a quarterback controversy. Buck Shaw would, maybe one quarter he'd play Frankie, and one quarter he would play uh, Y.E. Tittle. That, that sounds like what um, uh, Craig Morton was telling us, where they, like, every other play they had to keep Yeah, changing. Don Meredith and Craig Morton, when they <laughs> shuttled those two guys in. I know Craig didn't like that. Well, well you know, that you played at Kizar Stadium, which was a, a classic uh, old right. NFL stadium where they played ho- college and high school ball, and Monty Stickles used to tell me, he said, that that place was a dump. Was it really that much of a dump? Because I went as a fan, and it seemed like, you know, of course, as you're a kid, it, it's a big deal to go to us NFL stadium. The stadium itself, you know, it, 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 I liked it. I thought Keysaw was a great stadium. Yeah. Uh, but the dressing room, oh, probably what he was talking about, because I always say you were putting your right foot into a pair of pants, and somebody was putting their left foot in your other. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was that crowded, huh? Oh, God. It yeah. Was a limited number of showers, and it would steam up in that locker room where you couldn't see anybody. It was uh. small. Uh, that that part of it was probably what Stickles was referring to. Yeah. Oh, you had Buck, Buck Shaw was your coach, wasn't he, at that time? Buck Shaw and a guy, uh, Lawson, and then Phil Bankston, who oh, later became the yeah. head coach of the uh, Packers, right? Bay Packers. Yeah, he didn't. He repl- Phil Bankston, I think, replaced Vince Lombardi when Lombardi retired, didn't he? I, I don't know, but I yeah. know he was the coach there. But we, wow. you know, we had uh, McElhaney was a rookie oh. that year. Oh, wow. I mean, I we had Joe Perry, McElhaney, yeah. uh, Arenas, and they were the, the back. Uh, uh, Billy Wilson. Billy Wilson. What a great guy. I got to know Billy when he was a scout. He passed away a few years ago. What a sweetheart of a man. And uh, the three offensive ends were Billy Wilson, Gordy Solton, myself, and then uh, Bob Tonoff, who oh, yeah. in the county and passed away. He's a pretty good player, too. Played yeah, with Washington great. a number of years. Uh, so there were there were some you know some great guys in the Norm Stan, uh, Stanley. He was he was kind of hurt. He yeah, and then he came back. But Johnny Strykowski was a, a sure. real good guy. That's another great name. From hey, the Al, stay with us. We're going to cut to a commercial break. But before we do, a, a quick question. You're almost 90 years old. How do you stay in shape? 
I am 90 years old. Yeah, are sorry, you really? You're, you yeah. are 90. How do you stay in shape? Wow. Uh, how do I stay in shape? Well, yeah. I work out every morning a little bit. You know, I am. I ride a stationary bike for about uh, 30 minutes or so. I do about 30 push-ups. And 30 I, push-ups? That's pretty good, man. I can barely I, do 20. <laughs> I do yeah, but yeah, but Al does them one-handed, though. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I do some curls with uh, some some weights and, you know. Excellent. Yeah, okay, good. tell you what. Here, let's go to our commercial break. Which pitcher threw the first no-hitter for the Atlanta Braves? Oh, good, all right? good one. That's our trivia question. When we come back, we're going to see if Al knows the answer to that one. Okay. All right? Which pitcher threw the first no-hitter for the Atlanta Braves? Don't touch that dial because Sports Econ 101 is going to be right back. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. One call to Wall and Associates and your tax problems are solved. Wall has saved clients over $150 million in the last five years. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. With one call to Wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Remember, Wall has a proven track record with a total client savings over $150 million. Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson.
Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. And our trivia question number two, which pitcher threw the first no-hitter for the Atlanta Braves? Al, do you have a, a you want to take a shot at that one? I'll, I'll take one, too, but I'm not positive about this uh, one. Ah, boy. That would have been 1960, early 70s, late 60s. Cause they, moved to, they moved to Atlanta after the 66 season, I believe. From Milwaukee. From Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, boy. Boy. I, no, I, I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Tony Cloninger. No, but he didn't no. pitch a no hitter. He had two grand slams. Tony Cloninger hit two grand slams in a game oh, against yes. the Giants. Yeah, of, co- well, of course, everything happened against the Giants back then. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Phil Necro. Phil Necro. Phil Necro yeah. The knuckleballer. Oh, yeah. You know who? Phil Necro made his last start against the San Francisco Giants in 1987, and they. Pounded him, but <laughs> he was. That's why he was, he was his last one. But he was forty-eight years. All old. All right. So our guest is Al Andres, yeah. who well, was he was my. Old. He was, you know, the first. I was telling Edward this story. Al, when I was in high school, I was working on the campus paper, and I had a little show in the radio station locally. They didn't get paid for it, but we did a, a high school sports show, and I used to interview Al. And Al was really the first coach that I interviewed. And Al, you you were at Redwood High School for a long time. Tell us about your experience and what what was it like coaching all those kids. And coaching some pretty good athletes. I mean, you had a great baseball team that won a, a, national, a, a national championship in 1977. Well, it, you know, I loved Redwood High School. It, it was a great place. You know, I started there in uh, 1958 when the school opened. And I was uh, actually the last of the uh, original faculty uh I retired in 93 from Redwood. Wow. So now, you said you weren't a Giants fan, but you were actually a Redwood Giants fan. So. <laughs> That's right. So we'll yeah. count that. So 25, was that 35 years at, at uh, Redwood? Yeah, I, I took one. Well, uh, I'll have to say this. In uh, 1980, I left and I spent one year as the coach of the University of Santa Clara. Oh, that's right, oh, yeah. Okay. And then I came back to Redwood, and even though I continued to teach at Redwood, I no longer coached baseball. I was coaching at the College of Marin. Mm. So I oh, yeah. coached for uh, 16 years at the College of Marin, and then I left there in 97. I was hired by the French to coach the French national team, trying to qualify for the Olympics in Australia in 2000. I spent a year in Paris uh, coaching a wow. French team. Did the French uh, athletes, did most of them speak enough English, or did you speak French, or how did no, you guys? No, 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 no. They, you know, it, it was funny. Most of them spoke English, except one one young man I had from Nice. Uh, he was the only one that didn't speak English well. So how did you communicate with him? Uh, through the other players. And mm-hmm. through the, uh, I had a couple of... It's baseball. It's an international language. Right. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it was quite an experience, and um, I hear I, I keep in touch with two or three of those young men still. But oh, uh, it was good; I really enjoyed it. I bet your wife loved living over in France. That must have been a fun experience. Well, you know, she, her maiden name is Levesque. Ah, it's kind of she she was pretty good. Uh, when I first went there, I lived at their um, for a month. About a month and a half, I lived at the Olympic Village they have. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but when, I think it was 1960, when the Olympics were in Rome, mm-hmm. uh, the the French did not win a medal. Really? And Stogall got all P.O.'d. <laughs> and there's a big uh, army base in a place called Vincent, mm. which is on the southern end of Paris. 
And what he did, he closed down the Army base and he turned it into an Olympic center. And it's called INCEPT. And it was wonderful being there because it had every, all the Olympic athletes in France lived, lived and trained there except the ski teams. So you had boxers, you had basketball players, soccer players, baseball players. And, you know, you would eat with these guys. Uh, I'd go to dinner with them. You know, you'd eat right there in the camp. They had a hospital. They had all, oh, it was a magnificent facility. Wow. And, yeah, you were always, baseball was always your favorite sport, though, wasn't it, Al? Uh, I mean, you played football, you coached football, but baseball seemed to be your primary sport. Am I wrong? Were, were you more of a football kid growing up and wanted to play? Because you played pro football, obviously. You played at the highest level. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, in the days when I was younger, you, you played everything. You know, you were always playing. You know, you played all sports. In fact, you played uh, football when they didn't have the face masks. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, you're going to laugh at this. I might have thought my best sport was basketball. Really? Well, 6'3", back yeah. then. You know, pretty uh, tall for back then. In fact, when I was at St. Mary's College, I had gone there in a football scholarship when I was out of high school. And I remember uh, Benny Neff, who's a famous name, was a coach at Lowell High School, was just a tremendous basketball coach. He ended up coaching St. Mary's College. Hmm. And uh, in... I, in the evenings, he would practice basketball with the varsity team in the afternoons. In the evening, the freshman team would work with him. And he told me, hey, listen, you quit football and I'll give you a basketball scholarship. <laughs> I bet you the football coach didn't appreciate it right now. But the high school I went to, the Catholic Athletic League then, when I was in high school, was a real, real, and it's still a uh, basketball league. You know, really? It was, Okay. St. Joseph's, Alameda, Bellamy, yeah. St. Mary's, Berkeley, ourselves. Uh, Did you grow up in the East Bay, uh, Al? Yeah, I grew up in Oakland. All uh, right. Um, and so it was our school, you know, I, my class was the first class that said, we're not going to go to school here. We were in elementary school unless you give us unless you start a football program. Uh, interesting. Hey, i got to yeah. ask you, you know, there's probably some people out there, young guys out there who are thinking of getting into coaching. Why would you urge a young person, you know, you got to do this for so many years and you, and you really enjoyed it, obviously, and it sounds like an obvious question, but why would you urge some young person to get into coaching, say, on the high school level, where you really get to work with the basics? Well, I think, you know, you have to have a calling for it. You just can't be somebody that says, okay, I think I'd like to coach. Uh, that's not going to work. It's, you know, it's too bad in this day and age. You know, you don't see anybody like the Dick Hart, the Bob Fitzhenry's, the Bob Troutman's. You know, we were lifers in a way. Let me. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, guys coach four or five years and they're gone. You know, they're, they're out. Yet, I think there's, uh, I would say right now, if somebody wants to get into coaching, they ask me, why don't you coach again? I said, look, if you'd let me coach nine orphans, I would I would coach again. Because I think there's so much pressure on coaches from parents nowadays mm. that it's a tough situation. So back in when you were coaching, uh, there wasn't that much parent involvement, was there? There was a lot of parent involvement, but a real positive parent. Gotcha. Involvement. Yeah. Not not the critical. Yeah, I remember my dad, and my dad yeah. always told me. He said, 
you know, he said, if you play any sport, you make sure you pay attention to your, what yeah, your coach is saying when he's talking. You keep your mouth absolutely. shut. Absolutely. And I think parents were a lot more authority authority yeah. figures yes. were a lot more revered in those days. Absolutely. That, that began to change in the in the late '60s. Yeah. But Al, you got to coach some great athletes, and, and it must have been fun watching these young men grow up. And and now seeing them today, uh, you know, I'm sure you you went to the we went to the recent uh, high school. Hall of Fame dinner and and saw a lot of these guys and it must, that must be the the big reward is you know you see these young men and grow into 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 older people and, and have careers and families and you, and you were a part of their their upbringing in a sense. Yeah, it does. You know that that's the. I'll tell you this: it, you don't want to get into coaching to make money. That's number one. <laughs> that's for sure. Unless you're unless you're uh, Jim Harbaugh or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I just see where. Uh, he, He's not going to be the highest paid guy. I just saw where Myers just going to just got a raise, and he's going to get seven point six million or something. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but I think there's a lot of satisfaction to it, as you said. You know, when you can you can see these kids growing up. Like my doctor played for me, my dentist played for me. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the satisfaction you get. Yeah, that's got to be nice. And they probably looked at you as uh, sort of a second father figure, didn't they? They had to, I would think, because that's yeah. it's almost like you have to be, in, in a sense, a, a mentor to these young people, yeah. don't you, Al? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it, you know a lot of what goes on, you learn a lot of baseball, but I always felt that you had to really you know, teach them what life was all about, yeah. too, you know, they're not, as I used to say to him, remember, fellas, there's no more free lunches. You know, mm. you're going to have to get out and work. And I think the discipline that our kids had, it, it's really helped them. In fact, after that affair, Bruce, I sent an, I sent a letter out to every one of those young men that were there. And you'd be surprised at the letters that came back to me saying, you know, thank you for what you did. Mm. Uh you really saved my life for you know well, a couple of those guys. So that that's the satisfaction a coach has. Not the wins and losses; they're important. But it's what happens to the young men yeah. that you work with later on in life. Well, sports is so good for that because it you know teaches camaraderie and a team spirit. Um, yeah, I can right. see a lot of these kids uh, who you know may have been troubled to kind of get brought back into the fold and, and feel like there's a, a purpose now. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, tell you what, we're going to cut to one more break. When we come back, I want to ask you about the championship uh, team because uh, I actually graduated in 1978, so I was you a junior. I do mm. remember the yeah. team. Yeah, because we had we had a guy named Keating mm. who was oh, yeah. right, who who was uh, kind of competition with uh, Buddy at the time. It was like who was the best player? Buddy Bianconi. Buddy Bianconi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So here's our uh, last trivia question. Uh, which player uh, held the record for playing shortstop position in 2,581 consecutive games? Wow. That's, that's a lot a, of that's games. That's a good question because <laughs> I'm, I'm stumped right now off the top of my head. I could have to I'll see if Val knows that one. I'm sure too. you'll at least know the player, Oh, right? I'm sure. <laughs> 2,500 games. Yeah, you got to know the player. Games? 2, 500, cons- 2,581 Ooh. consecutive games at shortstop. That's like 17 years in a row. That's pretty darn good. That All right. pretty darn Don't good. touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back. Want to relax and enjoy life in Sonoma County and set aside anxieties? 
Less than five minutes from an amazing coastal redwood forest, you'll find Sonoma Orchid Inn just across the street from the Russian River with easy access to swim or just lay on the beach. In fact, they'll even provide the beach towels. The Sonoma Orchid Inn is close to wonderful restaurants. Corbell Champagne Cellars is right next door. The Pacific Coast is only 15 miles away with great hikes, whale watching, fishing, and more. The Sonoma Orchid Inn is close to every activity to help you unwind and relax. Check out their website at sonomaorchidinn.com or call them at 707-869-4466. That's the Sonoma Orchid Inn, 707-869-4466 or online at sonomaorchidinn.com. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Attention timeshare owners, this is an urgent consumer alert from Resort Release, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get rid of their expensive timeshares. Once you've made that decision to get rid of your timeshare for any reason, Resort Release is offering a Better Business Bureau accredited way to legally get rid of your timeshare guaranteed. We guarantee to get rid of your timeshare payments permanently, even if you've tried another company to get rid of your expensive timeshare call now and see if we can help you at resort release you don't pay anything until you're ready if you're ready to learn how to permanently get rid of your costly timeshare make this complimentary free call right now 800-598-0539-800-598-0539-800-598-0539 that's 800-598-0539 Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. One more time. One more time. One more, one more that time. That sounds like, isn't what Duke Ellington used to say? One more time. One more, really? Yeah, Let, yeah. How about let's play two? Let's play two. That's what Ernie, <laughs> Ernie Banks, Banks used to say. Wilson. Yeah, there you go. Ernie Banks. Uh, okay. <laughs> Here's our third trivia question. Who held the record for playing shortstop position in 2,581 consecutive games? And the answer is... Al, go ahead. I think it... You... you I thought it was Belling, the guy that was a shortstop for the Orioles. Al, Cal Ripken Jr.? No, 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 no. Oh. There was a guy named Bellinger, too, wasn't there? Corey Bellinger? No. Uh, that, no, no, so. no. He's, he's the guy be, in the Dodgers. It's got to be uh, Ripken? Cal Ripken. Yeah. It is not. No? Louis, it is uh, it was, uh, Luis Aparicio. Luis Aparicio. Oh, my gosh. Aparicio held, held that Yeah, record. he was with both uh, the, the White, White Sox, Sox and the Orioles. 
Exactly. Yeah, he played in the World Series in 59 with the White Sox. They lost, and he got to play on a championship team in 66 against the Dodgers, Ah, and they won. So the Go-Go Sox. The Go-Go Sox. Sox. So um, Al Andrus, our special guest today, uh, longtime coach locally here in, in Marin County, and I want to ask you about the 1977 uh, Redwood Giants because uh, baseball team, baseball team, because uh, they were. I don't know exactly how they, you know, voted or who's the voting people who did it, but basically they were considered the number one baseball high school team in the country. How did that happen? Yeah, how, happen? yeah, how did that happen? Okay, that uh, through collegiate baseball, Easton Bat Company. Uh, started this, and uh, what they did, they would have a weekly vote. You know, you as a coach would send in your nominee or whatever you might call it for the number one team that particular uh, week and so forth, and then at the end of the year, they obviously tallied up who had the most, I guess that's how they did it, and um, that's how we became the champs. Um, so, so you didn't actually have to play any playoffs? No, any, no, no, okay. no. It was called the Mythical National Championship. And in fact, I will tell you this. I thought we won it in 77, but I thought we should have won it in 78, too. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, why is that, Al? Was the team better that year? Uh, we were just we – were, we were pretty darn good. Uh the only reason I would say that we might have not been included, we lost the final game of the North Coast section. Oh. And because I had thrown our best pitcher uh, a day before, Frank Ferroni, who struck out 17 guys against Whoa. Riga. <laughs> um, and then we got beat. I think Pleasant Hills beat us. Pleasant wow. Final game. Otherwise... It wasn't a pleasant afternoon when Pleasant Hill beat you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. The 77 team was special. I mean, there, when you think about it, here's one high school team that had six Division One players wow. and one first-round draft pick, mm-hmm. same team. Um, and we played everybody. I mean, you know, in those days, of course it's tough to say, but through the 70s and the late 60s and the 70s and maybe the we were kind of like the De La Salle of football. I mean, we oh. played. We were the only high school team that flew anywhere. We really, huh. you know, We would fly to San Diego, and we play the three best teams in uh, the San Diego area every year. And then we would go to uh, uh, San Luis Obispo, and we played a tournament there against the. They took the four best teams from the north and the four best teams from the Los Angeles area. We never lost a game in that. Wow. Game. Well, you know, it's interesting. My old uh, pastor, apparently he was uh, like a phenomenal pitcher in Orange County, which is really known. I mean, it was like the best of the best, uh, you know, except for obviously our, our, our Marin County team for that year. Um, he's a little younger. Um, and I don't remember what years, but uh, when he was a junior in high school, he got in a bad car accident and that mm. kind of changed, that ruined his yeah. career. But. Um, you know, some of these guys, you know, like you said, going down to San Diego, and I mean, these are these are real baseball team sports. You know, you know what I mean? It's cities, like, you're talking city, about cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. cities are really, really known yeah. for for certain San Diego, sports. LA. Yeah, yeah, Southern California, I think, is uh, you know, the weather. Just the weather is there. You know, we would play. We we brought in um, 
a friend of mine coached him at, uh, in the Oregon area. We brought in a team that had Dale Murphy on it. Remember oh, that? Sure. oh, sure. Dale Murphy, two-time All-Star. Yeah, yeah, two-time MVP. Yeah, Atlanta yeah, Braves. Atlanta yeah. Braves. They're state champions of Oregon. We played them in Albert Field. We played Auburn High School out of Washington. It was a state champion out of Washington. Um, and that year was the year. The big game was, of course, that everybody talks about. Uh, was the game where we played the Taiwanese team? Oh yeah, and that was a great team too, wasn't it? Dead. Uh, yeah, they forgot about that. This Taiwanese team came over. They started on the East Coast, and in those days, if you remember, they had college uh, freshman teams. You couldn't play on the varsity. Yeah. So they started on the East Coast, and they were coming from the East Coast. Barnstorming. <laughs> yeah, and they were playing all college freshman teams. And, you know, just chewing them up. And I got a call from Dutch Berry, who used to be the old coach at Stanford. And he was involved in international baseball. And he said, this team is coming to San Francisco. They're going to leave from San Francisco. Would you be interested in playing them? I said, yes, we would. (laughs) So we played them at Redwood, if you remember, in the game after seven innings was tied, one-to-one. And they wanted to quit. They called it a friendship game. And I said, no, 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 we keep playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we played, I guess it was nine innings, and we lost two to one, too. Mm. Well, and I remember back in the 70s, that, that's when, like for Little League World Series, right. the Taiwanese teams were just, I mean, they were winning almost every single year. They, yeah, and, this, and, the, and on that particular team were a number of players that played on the Little League World Series team. Wow. Why did Taiwan, uh, Al, have so many good it was such a great baseball program. I mean, that's a small country. Uh, why, why in We just have really good coaches, and, and they brought them up through a system, or what was the deal? Yeah, they're 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 kind of different. But uh, you know, then I I left and, and going to Santa Clara. When I came back, I took Redwood. We're we're the only high school team that during this baseball season ever went to Taiwan. We, wow. We went to Taiwan and we played the four top teams in Taiwan. Um, and what it's, you know, they're so disciplined. Our, our, my greatest thing was that one of the Taiwanese coaches told me that we were better disciplined than his team was. And that's amazing. How did you do when you guys went to Taiwan? We, we won two and lost two. Not bad. Not bad. I heard stories out that Al had, that you had, uh, an unusual system where I remember talking to one of your players and they said Al had three or four drills going on simultaneously, whereas a lot of coaches during practice, you know, you just have outfield practice and is going on, pitchers are throwing over here, hitters are in the cage or wherever. But you had the you had your players in specific uh, roles and, and doing different things. And, and it, I, I remember hearing an opposing coach saying God, it was like going to a pro camp. I mean, you had these kids really, you know, focused. Well, you know, and, and I, I'm going to back up now. That's what I learned in the Dodge organization. Mm. I went to spring training in the Dodge organization. It was, you know, I had never been in anything like it. I mean, you, you know, you went from one station to another station, and you were learning something every day. And uh, it wasn't like just, you know, go down and get in shape and play. So that was kind of what I did at Redwood. And again, remember now, and I'm not saying this is a pat on the back. I had no assistant coaches. We, you know, sure. like today, I coached by myself, and so you had to be very organized, and you had 
you know. So that's the way it was. And I learned a long time ago when I first started that you're not always going to have the best talent. If you're going to wait to get the best talent to win, you're not going to win very often. So you're going to have to find another way to do it. And my way of doing it was was to use my baseball, the baseball field is my classroom, and really teach these kids, you know, so that we were a little bit smarter and worked a little bit harder than the other teams that we played. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you know, how many superstars are you going to get in the same year? That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to you've got to have something that is going to, you know, ability sometimes isn't the winner always. You know, you can take a, a group of guys that are really good, but if they, they don't play well together, you can beat them. You know, that, it, that reminds me, and I don't remember the guy's name, though. My dad used to tell me there was this one baseball player, pro baseball player, he says he couldn't run, field, or hit, but he could beat you. <laughs> and and, and I, I don't know if that's like a, a famous phrase for a specific player. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, you know, the same sort of thing, where it's like the guy's not a superstar, but somehow this guy always beats you. That's right. <laughs> And that was, you know, we had a little saying at Redwood that we had a two-run lead before the game started, and all we had to do was defend it. <laughs> Al, were you the kind of guy that had, um, I know that this sounds like a sort of a funny question to ask, but some coaches had, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I'd like to use this word cliches, but they had certain expressions that they felt were sort of summed up what their program was all about, and they would sort of drill that into the team did you have certain things like you know this is this is something we're going to really focus on it's going to be a part of what you are if you're a part of this team did you have that in sure yeah yeah we did we obviously did you know i think any successful team will have that yeah our my philosophy always was we're going to pitch well and we're going to play defense Mm. we can score we can score runs a lot of way Mm -hmm. and the other thing that we really did well i thought and we worked very, very hard on it. Very seldom would you ever find a Redwood team with a throwing error. Yeah. You know, I used yeah. to tell, even when I spoke at clinics, I'd say, hey, the last game you lost, did you lose it because the guy hit a home run, or did you lose it because somebody made a throwing error? Yeah. Mm. And I think that the, with young kids, and I watch my grandson and the team that he's, he plays on, the biggest thing is you've got to teach these young people how to throw. Yeah, yeah. Everybody takes it. Everybody thinks because he's a, a male, he should know how to throw. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there is a there is a real art to throwing. I mean, the old saying that you know you, the the greatest players have those five skills: they can hit, hit with power, run, field, and throw. And I guess Willie Mays was one of those guys. But throwing is a, is an art sometimes that's overlooked because it really does involve more than just the mechanics of throwing the baseball. It's understanding where. Where to throw it to the cutoff man? You know the situation on the field, and you really got to think quickly out there in that outfield. Yeah, and uh, you know I read an article just recently by a guy named Corbin. You won't know his name, but he's a very successful coach at the University of Vanderbilt, and he said he's getting tired of the 18-year-old kids that he brings in. He got to start showing how to throw a baseball, and you, <laughs> and uh, there, there is, you know. If you see a good throwing team, uh, when I do at least, when I look at a team that's playing and the guys can really throw, I'm saying, this is a pretty good team. They're they're going to be okay. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And it's funny because uh, softball, you know, girls softball, it's it's a it's a different animal of how they throw. Uh huh. 
Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Well, Al Endress, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again on uh, Sports Econ 101. Maybe we'll talk some old baseball or new baseball and make comparisons. That'll be kind of fun. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All righty. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Good talking to you, Al. Well, that was fun. Yeah, Al's a great guy. He he really is. And, and, And again, I think, you know, there's so many coaches out there probably listening that, you know, can relate to some of the things that I went through. But Al coached, think about it, you know, he coached for most of his life, 40-some-odd years. And, uh, you know, you look back at, at that and you think, wow, I, you know, you didn't make a lot of money, you didn't get a lot of notoriety, but the kids really appreciate what, yeah. he, what he did. And, and he and also the parents helped. did, too. The parents did. Yeah. And, you, and you think about it, coaches make a big difference in a young person's life. A Absolutely. huge difference. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, when we come back from Sports Econ or from the uh, commercial break, Sports Econ 101 will have some closing comments. Don't touch that back. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? but you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063-800-957-6063. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client.
client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical, and some may not qualify. The consultation is free, and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. This is our last segment of the day. So that was really nice having Al on. Yeah, Al's a good guy. You know, and again, I I, I have to say that, and I'm prejudiced because I've known him for a long time, but coaches that really have an impact on young people's lives, and there are a number of them, a, a high percentage that do, but the ones that are around a long time that really count, that really make a difference. Uh, you know, those are the kind of the unsung heroes in the sports. You don't Absolutely. hear about them. You don't hear or, or about them. Or just in life, too. I mean, well, it's like you talk about teachers having an impact on kids, you, coaches, you, too. You talk to pro athletes today, and almost invariably they'll mention, you know, who are the people that made a big difference in your life? They'll say, my high school coach. Yeah. A lot of them will. Yeah. I mean, college important. College, but they, too, yeah. But, but the but formative years of that high school. Formative years, yeah. High school is a big deal for Absolutely. boys and girls, yeah. All right, so we're going to cut out. What are your thoughts for the day? What are our thoughts for the day? Yeah, these are your thoughts, right? Are, well, <laughs> sort, sort of, kind of. Where do you get these thoughts, anyway? Um, I, I, I get, okay, shh, I got them on the internet. Uh, and that means they have to be true. They right? have to be true. Have to no be fake true. news. No fake news. All right, it's not, uh, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not, mm. said Dennis Waitley. Who's Dennis Waitley? I don't know. I don't know, but that's a yeah. good saying. I Dennis like that Waitley. one. Probably some motivational speaker. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And challenges are what make life interesting, and overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. Good point. You like that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had a few challenges in my life, and I'm sure you have too. And we've overcome them, and we're doing much better because of that. That's right. Yeah. And as a little funny thing here, my internet is so slow it's just faster to drive to Google and ask them the, in the questions in person. <laughs> I knew you'd like that You know one. something? I'll be honest. I don't want to rip on the new technology, but sometimes I wonder if it really does help us that much more. In some respects, yes. Some but stuff, it, yeah. But, I mean, it cuts us off from communication sometimes. And well, people don't well, have the patience. Wait a minute. You're here. I'm here. We're communicating. Yeah, you and I. Wait, we're, in, per- we're in person. Because we're out the there listening. A lot of people listening to us right now are probably listening on their smartphones. Which is nothing wrong with that. I hey, I'm happy you're listening to the smartphone. But how about you know actually having a face to face conversation with somebody? That's that's what a, what a that's novel weird. idea. That's weird. That is weird. <laughs> yeah, right. It is with the Generation X. That's for yeah, sure. That's true. And the millennials. Yeah. Millennials. Uh, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. Oh. So